This is Live Well Talk on Sports Injuries and Treatment. I'm Dr. Dustin Arnold, Chief Medical Officer at St. Luke's Hospital, Unity Point Health. Joining me today is Chris Sayre, Senior Physical Therapist with St. Luke's Therapy Plus, also a certified athletic trainer to discuss sports injuries, treatment prevention, and anything else that should come up. Welcome, Chris. Thank you. Also, should start off that you're also an alumni of the Harvard of the Midwest, also known as Co College. We've been talking about them recently. Yeah. So we just refer to it as the Harvard of the Midwest on the podcast. So it's that time of year, sports injuries. But well, you know, let me back up. It's always that time of year. I mean, I mean, this is a all year long thing, not just uh, uh, as school starts. But uh, what are the most common injuries that you see at Therapy Plus? Depends on. Contact versus non-contact sport, there's a, a big difference. This time of year, we see with football and volleyball, uh, ankle sprains, knee strains a lot. Um, non-contact injuries, swimming, gymnastics, tend to see more tendonitis, stress fractures, maybe with cross country. So depends on the sport, but yeah, it is kind of all year round. Yeah. You know, I think as we were starting before we started to record, uh, that particularly teenagers are kind of impatient uh, and they want to get back into the fray as soon as, you know, the, the, the acute pain is gone. Could you kind of speak to overtraining and even if it's a quote strain, the recovery process and how long it takes or, uh, and, and it, it can be an estimate, but I think it's important to stress that, that it's, it's not instantaneous. No, teenagers do heal quickly, but you're absolutely right. They are impatient. Um, a lot of times, especially if it's their first injury, they think it's the end of the world if they're going to have to miss a game. Um, and I like to stress with them, missing a little bit of time may overall mean that you miss less time. Because um, if you get it healed completely and healed correctly to begin with, it's probably not going to come back and bug you later versus getting back too soon can sometimes cause more long-term problems. And is there certain conditions or scenarios that make a student athlete uh, or just athletes more susceptible? One of the things that has changed over the course of my career is early specialization or kids just playing one sport year-round really increases your risk of injury. Years ago, you played volleyball during volleyball season, basketball track, um, and you didn't necessarily play those sports when it wasn't that season. Um, And now we see a lot of soccer is kind of a year round thing, even basketball. uh, You know, kids are playing club and high school. uh, So that really increases that risk if you're not not changing sports. Yeah, I think there's a really good softball pitcher that's not playing for school ball and just doing clubs. You're right. You know, we both have kids that age and the club club scene is pretty big. You know, that goes into the next uh, question is the uh, recovery and the over training for this, because I think the kids are just going all the time. Um, on a week, on a average week, how much should an athlete, what is the optimal training schedule and rest cycle for an athlete? The American Academy of Pediatrics recommends one to two days of rest per week and one to two months per year. Uh, and I definitely have seen overtraining injuries. Um, and I would say a, a lot of your athletes between club and high school sports are not probably not even taking a day a week, um, much less a month or two a year. Yeah, as I said, my youngest daughter had an injury and she had to sit out six weeks and you would have thought we canceled Christmas 
you know, and just constantly ask when she can get back into it, which, which you respect that, you know, I think that's fun. Like you said, it's fun to treat those patients and, and, and interact with them, but it's also mind numbing at times how often they ask you to get back in the fray when they haven't uh, done that. So the most common injuries, could you take us through for the most common injuries, what, what they are, and then talk about the old ice compression elevation, uh, whether or not ice or heat? That, that's old, but still absolutely applicable. Um, always ice. We tell people ice for the first 72 hours. For the most part, for athletes, you're going to keep icing. Um, if you're looking at a six-week-old muscle strain, you might do some heat before you start activity. Um, but ice is probably the easiest, biggest thing you can do to kind of prevent that injury from increasing in severity. The price, though, so P-R-I-C-E, protection, rest, ice, compression, elevation, um, still best protocol you can follow initially, you know, and after getting that swelling down makes a big difference on an ankle sprain, knee strain. What is the injury that's the most difficult to recover from? Concussion, probably, um, yeah. which can be a whole podcast of its own. You know, a lot of the a lot of the stuff we see is acute injuries, and so they resolve pretty quickly. You know, you're talking two or three weeks. Once you get into an ACL tear, you know, those are six to nine months if you end up with surgery. So for the acute stuff, I'd say three to four weeks. I, I guess I would, from my experience, not personally, but observationally. It seems like a hamstring injury, if it's not treated early on well and rest to recover, can be one that can just plague a player all season. Absolutely. Those can be real finicky, and you can think that they're doing pretty well, and then you go back to sport, and they're real injury, real prone to retweaking yeah, hamstring yeah. strains. So if I'm an athletic trainer or a parent coach, when should I send – when, when, when should I send the, the player to the urgent care or the emergency room, with the exception of let's just take concussions out of that, because that should be a pretty low threshold to be having them evaluated. But when should I think that they need an x-ray or they need to be seen by a physician or that care needs to be escalated? If they can't weight bear on a leg or if it's, you know, a, a severe, severe limp, probably an x-ray is a good idea. Also depends a little if there was like a specific blow, a specific trauma, you know, if a football player lands on somebody else's ankle in a weird position, that probably warrants an x-ray. General soreness where there wasn't like a really specific trauma, you know, you could ice for a day or two if it's not getting better. Like I said, for the most part, kids heal pretty quick. So after a couple of days, if it's not improving, probably warrants a trip. I think it makes a little difference too if the school has an athletic trainer or a qualified person to evaluate it, that's helpful too, because then they can make that call. You know, I, I see being the team physician for Co um, or the Harvard and the Midwest um, that I see more concussions from soccer players uh, than I do football players. Now, part of that might be uh, reporting them uh, or just the lack of protection that a soccer player has. And it's a, it's a fairly physical sport. Uh, and uh, but I, I definitely see more soccer players with concussions. I definitely see sports other than football. I think football's taken a little bit of a bad rap in the concussion game, partly with the NFL um, publicizing incidences that people have down the road. 
Um, Girls actually more commonly get concussions than boys. If you look statistically, I had a son that played four years of high school football and never got a concussion, daughter that played basketball and had two. So I have seen more in soccer. I had a cheerleader that had a concussion. So it can not be just football. Yeah, absolutely. You had said earlier that concussions are probably one of the most difficult ones to recover because you don't have, there's not a measurement. There's not a test you can run to say, okay, we're out of the clear. And I think over the years, we've become appropriately more conservative in returning to play. What, what, what is the process following a concussion that you evaluate someone and make the decision that perhaps they are ready to return to play? From the athletic training side, there's a lot of um, pretty specific layout. Um, you need to be able to ride the exercise bike symptom-free before you progress to the next um, sport-specific drills. And then you need to be able to be headache-free 24 hours to progress back to practice. And then 24 hours being able to practice with no symptoms, which would be headaches, sick to your stomach, um, sensitivity to light. And that gets to be some technical stuff because as we touched on, kids don't necessarily want to be injured. If I'm looking at an ankle sprain, I can tell if it's black and blue, if it's swollen. Right, right. There's nothing you can touch or visibly see. Um, And those are tricky. Some of the things you're looking at with concussion symptoms, moodiness. Well, I had teenagers at home. How many times are they moody? You know, that's a, there's some, some tough things like that, that is this from the concussion or is this just a typical teenager? Um, Sleepiness. Again, some of that's, not uncommon with teenagers. Correct. That, that is so true. There is, they have, um, I can't think of the name of the test, but they are trying to refine a blood test, kind of like a troponin for your heart uh, to signify if you've had some brain damage. So that, that, that wouldn't probably be a benefit in the short term, but that would be nice to have that test prior to returning. Yes, it would for sure be, um, for sure be nice to have something objective. I mean, there are some objective um, again, dizziness, sensitivity to light. Um, the impact test is uh, short-term recall of letters or words, and then can you recall it 15 minutes later? So there's some stuff they can show the direction you're headed, but that's the well, one I, area I would definitely be conservative in. I don't know about you, but my biggest fear always is that second impact. It's really not the first, it's not the concussion that happens. It's them returning to play and getting hit again very early after the first one. Yes. Um, and, and that soon can be three to four weeks um, before the brain is really fully recovered. Right. And it, I, I grew up old school where if you knew which side of the ball to line up on, you were going back in. Right. Um, and that's challenging because I think that there's coaches and parents and teachers um, that that's what they're familiar with. Um, and when you tell a kid, you know, three to four weeks before you're going to go back for contact, that doesn't usually go over real big. Um, but certainly it's, it's beneficial to be sure you're completely recovered. Yeah, I think it's always tough because uh, three to four weeks in an eight, nine week season uh, is pretty disappointing to the, the parents and the patients, et cetera. So, and three to four weeks to a teenager is a lifetime. Absolutely. A weekend is a lifetime for a teenager. Last question. Why did you choose physical therapy? I actually got into it from kind of the sports end. My best friend had an ACL uh, tear when we were freshmen in high school. and. So I saw a little bit of it and thought it was pretty cool. And the more um, then I got into athletic training when I was at Co and loved that side of it. So the sports medicine side is my professional love. 
Well, just for full disclosure, uh, Chris and I were at Co at the same time, and she was my athletic trainer for playing football. So, so we know she's. That should give me a lot of credibility. That should absolutely. Well, hey, Chris, thanks for taking time and join me. This has been great information. Once again, this was Chris Sayre, uh, senior physical therapist and certified athletic trainer at St. Luke's Therapy Plus. For more information, visit unaidpoint.org. Thank you for listening to Live Well Talk On. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your family, friends, neighbors, strangers about our podcast. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, or wherever you get your podcast. Until next time, be well.